You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. If you would have your Bibles and open to Joshua chapter 10, Joshua chapter 10. Hear me this morning, regardless of the pain and the problems and the adversity you face right now, God wants to do something in your life that's beyond anything you could ever imagine. And that's why we've been in this series called Miracles. It's about rising above your circumstances to experience God's miracles in your life. And I have talked to many people since we started this series, and it's amazing some of the miracles that God has done in different situations. Hopefully, uh, sometime soon, we'll be able to share some of them. But as I've said before, God is still in the miracle business. And today, we're going to look at an obscure but powerful prayer that Joshua prays that leads to a miracle when the Israelites needed it most. After Joshua took over for Moses to lead the people of Israel, God had gave him this promise. He said, I'm going to lead you into a good and spacious land. Now, here's your question. What was that place called? The promised land. But there was a problem. There was a giant problem. There were still giants in the land and vast enemy armies. But Joshua remembered the promise. God said, Joshua, I've given you the land. The land is yours. You've just got to rise up and claim it. And then I'll give you the victory. And then I will work the miracle. But first, you have to rise up and claim it. And it's already yours. And then I will do the miracle. But the land is yours. Now, how would you like to have that when you wake up in the morning and God gives you that plan, whatever it may be in your life? And we're going to see that here in a few moments in the book of Joshua. Joshua knew that God's promises are greater than the giant problems he was facing. And giant problems never nullify God's promises in your life. You see, God has a plan. God has a purpose, and many times he uses those problems to push us into his purpose and destiny for our lives. So Joshua stepped out in faith, and he led the people into the promised land. And God gave him a couple of victories over some enemies, and they probably thought, man, there'd just be no more uh, giants. I mean, we pretty much have wiped them out, so, you know, maybe we're good for a while. We'll have no more problems. But then, five kings... From five vast armies banded together to stop the Israelites, okay? Five Amorite armies full of battle-tested soldiers. I'm talking about these people had been to war. They were used to being in war. So here they were, full of battle-tested warriors, and they came together. And I'm sure the Israelites were thinking, what? I mean, we just got through killing Two armies. I mean, aren't we through for the day or the month? We're going to get a little time off. We thought we had taken care of the enemies, but now there are five of them, and all five of them are coming together to come against us. 
And I know some pastors today that teach that once you become a Christ follower, you have no more problems. Only prosperity and perfect circumstances. And nothing could be further from the truth. And because, listen, you'll always have problems and trials in your life. You'll always have difficulties. But here's the key. Look at the screen. Your problems are your greatest possibility for God to work a miracle in your life. Your obstacles are the greatest opportunity you have to see God do something amazing in your life. And so many times, God uses those problems to push you into the place where we experience Him the most so that we can experience all that God has for us and go to a level of blessing and favor and strength and wisdom that He wants for us. Well, God told Joshua, He told him, don't worry about these five armies. I'm going to take care of them. All you have to do is just step out. And so Israel launched a surprise attack. The Amorite armies were in confusion, and they started fleeing. And the Israelite army chases after all these Amorites, all five of these armies. And then God sends, if you remember, huge hailstones. Now listen, you want God on your side, okay? Especially when it comes to war like this. And they start killing the enemy. But then, if you remember, the, stun, the sun starts to set, okay? And darkness is getting ready to set in. The Amorite armies would be able to escape in the middle of the night or just right after dawn. And so Joshua wants to fight on because he realizes if any of these armies get away, what's going to happen? He'll just have to fight them another day. He's just postponing a problem. And he wants to slay these kings and their armies. And Joshua remembers the promise that God gave him. God said, I'm giving you this land. And God said, none of your enemies, none of them, any of the five armies, are going to be able to withstand you. Not one army will be able to stand against you. And Joshua remembered that promise. And he prays one of the most unorthodox, audacious prayers in the Bible. So I want you to open up your Bibles, if you haven't already, or you can follow on the screen. Joshua 10, and we will look at verse 12 through 14. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord. In that day, when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, and he said, in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven, and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Wow. What a prayer. Joshua prays, O sun, Stand still, O moon, stand still. Big prayer, huh? So Joshua had the boldness to ask God to hold back the darkness and freeze time on behalf of his people. So God, what does he do? He literally stops the earth on its axis for a few hours so that they can gain the victory 
over these people, and they would never forget what God had done. You think they ever forgot this day? No. They never forgot what God did and the power that God has. And you know, in much the same way, there may be kings and giants in your own life that need to be conquered and overcome before you can enter into the joy and of power and of success and all this wonderful, victorious Christian life that God wants to give you. He has it for you. Don't forget what the Apostle Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. He said, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You see, there were strongholds in Canaan. You see, you have strongholds in your life this morning. We do. And we understand that there's been times that we have prayed for God to help us overcome these strongholds. And many of you have, and some, but now you have some others. God had promised the land to them. God had provided the land for them. But now the land had to be conquered and claimed. And so, these strongholds had to be pulled down through the mighty power and the miraculous intervention of God. Now, God told Joshua the same thing that he says to every single Christian. See, Al, I've given you the victory. I've given it to you. But now you have to take authority over the strongholds that stand in your way and claim the victory that I have already promised and provided for you. Well, here's what happened. Joshua is fighting the battle. Joshua is claiming the victory that God has given him. Joshua has the enemy on the run. Joshua has the kings of Canaan and all of their enemies and all of their armies in retreat. They are fleeing from the people of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. And it's a yes or no answer. Wouldn't you like to have the devil on the run? Amen. Wouldn't you like to see Satan and all of his armies fleeing from you? Wouldn't you like to... Have victory over the devil. I know that just this past week, many of you have been engaged in spiritual warfare. Lord knows I have. And I won't go into that. But you need to know something, church. When God is moving in a church and people are getting saved and people are getting baptized, it makes Satan not angry, but very angry. Very angry. None of us are exempt from this spiritual warfare. You see, you've encountered an enemy, and you've thought to yourself, if I could just win this battle, if I could just get the victory over the old devil, and can I just tell you this morning, you can. That's not something that is abnormal or out of the ordinary in the Christian life. Church, this is the Christian life. Spiritual warfare is the Christian life. We are promised that we will always be victorious over the enemy and that we have powerful spiritual weapons that God has given to us in order to pull down and overcome the strongholds that he puts up in our lives. So the kings of Canaan are on the run. Joshua and the children of Israel have them on the retreat. 
You understand this is going on for 48 hours straight. He looks up in the sky and he notices that it is high noon. And he does a quick calculation. And he realizes that he's not going to be able to have enough time to finish the battle and just mop up the holdouts and finally destroy every, each and every one of those five kings. He said, all right, it's already noon. We've got them on the run. But there's no way that I can finish this battle and win the victory. There's just not enough time. So Joshua just stood there and stood still under the authority of God and he commanded the sun to stand still and the moon to stop its orbit. And guess what? It did. God performed a miracle. I would call that a supernatural act. Would you? It was just a simple prayer, just like we saw last Sunday and how Elijah prayed. God, please make it rain. And it did. It poured. God set aside the normal laws of the universe so that Joshua could finish the battle and claim the victory that God had already promised to him. Now look at the screen because some of you need to hear this today. If God can make the sun stand still and the moon to suspend its orbit in order to give victory to one of his children, he can do anything for any of his children. God will use any and every means necessary for you and me to be victorious in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that this morning? You say, Pastor, do you really believe that story? I mean, do you really believe that the sun and the moon stood still? They didn't move for almost a whole day? I mean, that couldn't happen. It goes against the laws of nature and the laws of science. Who do you think created those laws? God did. All of the laws of nature are the laws of God. That's what makes a miracle a miracle. Do you know what a miracle is? Let me give you a good definition. A miracle is when God chooses to set aside the ordinary laws of nature in order to do something extraordinary and accomplish his purpose and plan. Listen to me this morning. He's God, and he can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, anywhere he wants to do it. And the one who created the laws of nature and science reserves the right to set aside those laws whenever it serves his purpose and meets his plan. For example, many of you can identify with this. For those of you who have younger children, especially those with a small bladder. And so, as we get older, some of us get that way. But it was many years ago that Lori and I and our two girls, Amberly and Megan, they were younger. And we were traveling back from seeing my parents, who lived at the time in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And we were going back home to where we lived, which was Mobile, Alabama, which is about a four-hour drive. Well, when I get in a car to go somewhere, I don't believe in stopping. Because if it takes me an hour and a half to pass that one car, I'm going to make sure he doesn't pass me back. You understand? Some of y'all can identify with that. So here's the rules. We get in the car. Girls and Lori, we ain't stopping to use this bathroom. We only got a four-hour drive. Sure enough, we get down the road. Amberly and Megan, Dad, 
we got to go. I said, okay, but you understand, this is it. We get back in the car. 30 minutes later, Lori says, we got to go. She's got to go. So, man, I'm sitting there. That car just passed me. It took me an hour and a half to pass it. And then we get going down the road, and guess what happened? I had to go. Anybody identify with that? So listen to me. And I stopped. So here's the thing. So I set aside the law that I'd made. Why? Because it fit my purpose. I had to go. See, God created the universe and the laws that govern it. God made the sun. God made the moon. God made the planets. God made the laws that keep all the stars in their place in space. God put them in orbit, and he oversees the law that keeps everything moving and working the way it does. And if God chooses, listen, if God chooses to overrule those laws, he can do just that. Why? Because he's God. And that's exactly what he did here in Joshua chapter 10. God just stepped in and took charge and performed a miracle to give Joshua the victory over his enemy. Someone may say, how do you know that happened? I mean, if this actually happened, then somewhere, sometime, somebody else would have written it down and recorded it. Well, they did. The Incas, the Aztecs, the Persians, the American Indians, the Chinese, the Egyptians, and others all recorded time when the sun stood still and there was a day that was nearly 40 hours, 48 hours long. And I believe that Joshua 10, 13 really happened. But the main reason I believe that the, stunt, the sun stood still for most of the part of a day, just like Joshua 10, 13 says, is simple. It's in this book. And this is the only book that matters. Amen? Amen. I read yesterday where 90% of what you read in a newspaper today and see on TV is negative. Can I just tell you something? 100% positive. Amen? Amen. Joshua said, God, I don't have enough time to do what you've told me. I mean, God, I got five kings, and I've got five armies, and they're all coming. And Lord, I got them on the run, but I don't have enough time left in the day to take care of them, and I just soon get this over now if you don't mind. So could you please just extend that daylight for a long time? God gave Joshua the victory. He performed the miracle and let him take care of business. We read uh, what the results of the victory are in verse 21. Look at this. Then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp of Makeda. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. I'd be afraid to move my tongue too after that, wouldn't you? From that day forward, the inhabitants of Canaan looked with respect and reverence on the Israelites. That's what God did for his people on that day. From that day forward... The Bible says that nobody in the land moved their tongue against any one of the children of Israel. 
Well, let me show you now. I have four points, and I'll go through them quickly. Let me show you four essential elements of how they obtained and claimed the victory on that day. Okay, so four essential elements of victory. First of all is a declared war. Look at verses 9 and 10. So Joshua came up upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon, and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. What did Joshua do? He declared war on these five kings, their armies, and he conquered all the land there in Canaan. Listen, if you're going to have victory in your life, you're going to have to declare war on every ungodly thing, every besetting sin, every effort of your old flesh, every ounce of your pride, anything that does not please God, or you'll never have the victory. I'm telling you that it's past time for the church to stand up and declare war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's time for you to declare war in your own life. Listen to this statement. Don't miss this. If you're living under a peace treaty with this old world, you'll never have what is yours by birthright as a child of God. Let me ask you, what is it that you need to declare war on in your life today? What is it? What unconquered territory lies ahead in your life? What king is hiding in the dark cave of your heart, just waiting to jump out at any unguarded moment? Is it pride? Is it anger? Is it lust? Is it gossip? Lord knows that's, I won't say nothing else. Hatred? Jealousy? An unforgiving spirit? How many marriages and relationships would be healthier today if they laid these things aside? How many churches would be healthier today if they laid these things aside. I'm telling you, it is time to declare war on those things in your marriage and in your relationships in your life. It's time to lay aside those sins that the Bible says so easily entangles us. It just kind of ensnares us. It's time to get your eyes off this world and put them on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Amen? Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't postpone it. Don't say, well, I can do it tomorrow or next week. Let me just stop right there. Last Sunday evening, uh, me and three of our guys here, uh, Ben, Moose, and Michael, went down to uh, Columbus, Ohio to hear Johnny Hunt. Uh, Johnny Hunt used to be the pastor of First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia, for a long time. But anyway, he was sharing, and basically it was about evangelism conference. And you know, we always think we got the next day, right? No, do you understand? You understand nobody in here is guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed of getting out of this place, amen? So this is what he said. When it comes to sharing Jesus, you need to understand this. This is what Martin Luther said. 
Martin Luther said there are only two days. This day and that day. Do you get that? This day and that day. Don't put it off. Determine in your heart today that you're going to declare war on anything and every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do it today because I'm telling you that if you'll stand up, God will step in and he will give you the victory like he did Joshua that day. But also, Joshua not only declared war, Joshua had a dynamic faith. Look at verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as the Zekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with a sword. You see, God wants us to win the victory. God wants us to walk in victory. God wants us to live in victory. He's for us. And if you'll just claim what is yours through Christ, God will honor your faith and will give you victory, even if it means sending a hailstorm to destroy your enemies. Did you see that in verse 11? Or making the sun and the moon stand still to give you more time to win the battle. Think about this. Joshua would have looked pretty silly standing out there telling the sun to stand still and the moon to not move if God hadn't stepped in and stopped it, wouldn't he? But Joshua stepped out on faith, totally committed himself to the person and resources of God, and that's why verse 13 says, And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Listen to verse 14 again. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Once Israel declared war on the kings of Canaan, they became God's problem. When they declared war, God was committed to the fight. I love that phrase. Do not miss this. For the Lord fought for Israel. God fought their battle. Now you may think there is sin in your life, an obstacle you face, an enemy that you're battling that can't be overcome. But listen to your pastor this morning. When you step out in faith and obey the word of God, God says, I'll fight for you. I'll fight your battle. And here's the thing. He's never lost a battle. Remember that song? We sang that song, Fight My Battles, last week. And I know it repeats a lot of times. But let me read you the lyrics without the repetition. And then you'll see why I like to repeat it. There's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. That's right out of the Bible, isn't it? A book called Psalms. It's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. I believe you've overcome. And I will lift my song of praise for what you've done. This is how I fight my battles. In the valley. They were in the valley. I know that you're with me. Surely your goodness and mercy follows me. My weapons are praise and thanksgiving. This is how I fight my battles. 
I believe you've overcome. And I will lift my song for praise for what you've done. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. And today, we sing the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Listen, when you step out in faith, God will step into the middle of your circumstances and fight the battle for you because great is His faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, a divine intervention. Divine intervention always follows dynamic faith. I want you to know that when a church steps out in faith, when a Christian determines to rely solely on the promises of God, when as we as the believers begin to fully follow the Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, I want you to know that God steps in and he won't let his people fail. There may be times when the going was tough. There may have been times when it looked pretty rough. There may have been times when the world said, you'll never make it. There may have been times when even other Christians doubted if you'd ever experienced victory. But you knew all along that you would because you had committed the conflict to God and it was God who was fighting the battle for you. Listen, I like it when my wife comes to my side to fight some of my battles. She's good at it. She takes care of me. And you ever seen a mother bear? Well, you need to see a mother and her children sometimes fighting for her children. You know what I'm talking about? But I'd rather have God fight my battles any day. Amen? Lastly, a defeated enemy. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because this is important if you're really going to experience a lasting victory. These five kings, look at the verse 6. These five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Makeda. The Bible says there in verse 16 that those five kings ran and hid in a cave. They sent their men to fight to finish. That's a good leader, aren't they? Send them out there. While they cowered in a cave. You see, that's what sin does in the life of a Christian. You see, so many times we will stand up and we will declare our faith. When we step forward to demonstrate our faith, so many times those sneaky sins slip, will slip even deeper into the cave of our heart. And that's what happened. And next is so important right here. Don't miss this. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. Oh boy, it's getting serious now. And they did so and brought these five kings out to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. You see that? Put your feet. On the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. So let me close. There were two things that Joshua and the children of Israel had to do. In order to fully and finally defeat those five kings. 
expose them. We see that in verse 22. And exterminate them. And we see that in verses 24 through 26. You don't have to live a life of defeat. You can live a life of victory and enjoy that life of victory. That's your privilege as a child of God. As our praise team comes, let me just say a little bit here. This really was an amazing miracle. Wouldn't you say for the sun and the moon to stop? As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there's never been a day like it before or since. There'll never be another day like it again. And God made the sun to stand still in order to give Joshua more time to win the battle. You know what? Some of you today need more time. You know what I see as another lesson in this miracle? It means that time is running out. And God is never going to stop the sun again. And whatever you need to do for God, you need to do it today. Whatever you need to say to God, you need to say it today. Whatever you need to give to God, you need to give it today. Today, while you still have time, would you bow your heads? Won't you give your life to Jesus today if you've never done that? Will you come for baptism if you've never followed in believers' baptism? Are you looking for a church to join. And if this fits your need, then why don't you join this church? Why don't you deal with whatever Canaanite kings are trying to hide in the deep recesses of your heart? You're here today, and I know, as I've talked to many of you, you're struggling with different things. But I want you to know all of our struggles are the same when it comes to someone that needs to meet it, and that name is Jesus. And he's here today wanting to meet every need. For whatever that need may be, I don't need to go through a long laundry list because you know what that is in your heart and your life right now. And in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. This altar will be open where you can come and just pour out your heart to God. You can come and pray with one of us pastors. You can stand and pray whatever you need to do. But know today that there can be victory in your life and you need to go ahead and claim that, that God will give you that. But you have got to turn from your sin. You have got to repent of your sin in order to be able to get these victories. Father, the best I know how today is just a simple prayer. Like Elijah prayed last week and Joshua prayed this week. Father, help people to do today with you what they need to do. I ask all this in your precious name and for your sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.